Hi, I'm Tony Cowan Brown. And I'm Benedict Evans. Today we thought we'd talk about Amazon and how it's interested in healthcare and it wants to be a player in that industry or potentially, but what all the other companies that come up when we talk about a company like Amazon going into a new industry. Well, yeah, so I thought it was interesting to draw a line from Amazon buying a healthcare provider through Apple doing buy now, pay later, and a more general sort of conversation about how we think about what kinds of things these companies would and wouldn't do and how broad or narrow their focus is. And the sort of framing for this is, you know, that for the last like 10 or 15 years, um, you'd have these conversations with a big company outside tech and they would say, is Apple going to do a bank? Is Google mm. going to do healthcare? Are they going to start an airline? Are they going to start, you know, a supermarket? Are they going to get into my industry, whatever my industry might be? Yeah. And you would always kind of laugh and say, look, you know, they're actually quite a narrowly focused company with a narrowly focused set of skills. And these are the sort of the thing, kind of things that they do. And, you know, they won't do your industry unless they can just kind of turn it into a trivial marginal, no marginal cost piece of software that bolts onto their industry. So they won't go out and, you know, the example I had was, you know, will Google get into the home security business? Well, only if they can ship you a box that you put up yourself. If they need to have a whole bunch of guys in pickup trucks with stepladders, no. Not worth it. Because they have the money to do that, but they would never do that because that would change the nature of their company. And so you've got this kind of a model Mm. of these kind of narrowly focused businesses. And so, for example, Apple didn't do a record label and they did a credit card, but they don't run it themselves. It's between Goldman Sachs and a fintech. And, you know, they didn't buy a telco, they didn't do an MVNO, and so on and so on and so on. And so you've got these kind of narrowly focused businesses that do these kind of things around the side that are kind of natural adjacencies and stuff that they know how to do. And that's been sort of shifting a little bit for a while. And that part of that is about scale, like how big these companies are. Um, I sort of stat of the moment is that when Apple launched the iPhone, I think the revenue is about $20 billion. And last year, Apple's R&D budget was $20 billion. It was a $400 billion company last year. But they're much bigger companies. And so you see them doing stuff that they could never have afforded to do in the past, like you know making their own chips, Apple, Google, Amazon, I think Facebook maybe making their own chips, or paying somebody to do something, designing their own chips and getting TSMC to make them. And, um, you know, doing stuff and, and most obviously buying TV shows. And so um, Amazon has probably a $10 billion budget for buying TV shows, which exists as a way to get people to keep their prime subscription and to retain their prime. And, and so you've got these sort of things of like, how does that sense of what does it make sense to do change as you get bigger? But then when you buy a healthcare provider, you're like, okay, this isn't supporting Prime anymore, at least not in that sort of fairly obvious way. We're going a long way outside our envelope here. Um, how do we think about that? And should we maybe shift that mental model? I like your piece about what it, how this ties to companies scaling. I remember coming across an article as I was looking at the Apple buy now, pay later. Of, I think the title was something mm. along the lines of, will the billions of iPhones help Apple be the first tech company to fulfill its dream of being a bank? And it was interesting that it, exactly to that narrative, tying the fact that they have a billion phones, does this mean that as a company, they potentially can become a bank one day? Um, which I'd never thought about in just like that conjunction of if you scale as a company, yeah. you actually are getting closer to potentially being something that we initially wouldn't have thought you would be. 
It is. I mean, just as, a, as an aside, just to throw out, because I know some people will be thinking about this as a sort of a very Wall Street way of talking about this, which is to say banks get valued at this multiple and tech companies get valued at that multiple. But that doesn't mean that if Apple had a consumer credit business, then suddenly the whole multiple for Apple would get flipped. It's just you'd, you'd value that bit as a, as a consumer credit business. So, but I suppose what, what I was kind of sort of thinking about was there's, there's this sense of, you know, when these were relatively small companies, you were particularly Apple was a very small company. In fact, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they would be looking for these sort of points of maximum leverage. You know, where is it that they can come in and without spending billions of dollars that they actually didn't have, find a place that they can insert the crowbar that comes from their particular model of hardware and software integration and ability to create certain kinds of experience and kind of flip that completely on its head. Mm. And they did this with music now almost 20 years ago. And they did it with a mobile phone. And remember how asset like the original iPhone was, you know, it was all third party components. It was all contract manufacturing. Um, you know, all they really did, them, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of hardware design in that, but they weren't making their own chips or, you know, there was no app ecosystem. It certainly, they didn't go out and do a telco do, you know, they certainly didn't run a telco to do that. So it's a very asset light thing to do. Um, and. Over time, that sense of, well, where does it make sense to add your capital changes? So they make their own chips and they make more and more of their own components or design more and more of their own components. And then you get to the TV story, which is, you know, there always used to be this story kind of 10, 20 years ago, which would be, you know, big, big tech company that says, we're going to get into TV. We're going to go to Hollywood and we're going to buy a whole bunch of stuff. And then the next news article would be Microsoft went around Hollywood and they were showing all the prices and they said, shit, we can't afford that. That's a lot of money. And now, of course, it's not because now they're like a trillion dollar company. And so, you know, Amazon can spend $10 billion a year buying content. And that's actually, you know, it's a material amount of money to Amazon, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not an unreasonable sum to, for them to build a top tier content portfolio. Apple, I think, is spending five or six billion, you know, spending substantially less. Um, but again, this is play money for Apple now. You know, this is no longer an existential amount of capital for them to spend to build that, that content portfolio. But there's sort of two steps in, there's sort of sort of three step process, because process one is you know, building your core product, like we're making the chips for the phone now, and now we can afford to make the chips. The second step is this is no longer really core, but it's adjacent, which is buying TV. We're making this stuff, which isn't actually what our core is, and we're not really adding anything, adding, adding anything to it. The puzzle I always had looking at the Apple TV stuff was like, all they do is go to LA and buy stuff from LA people. Like, they're not adding in. There's nothing Apple about the TV shows. They're just buying TV shows. It's more shows, yeah, on a different platform. But but what it's doing is supporting the underlying Apple business, the relationship, the device, even though you can now get the Apple TV shows on the Samsung TV, which is kind of weird. Um, but it's still like supporting the core Apple business as you've always understood it. It's just now they've got more money so they can do more expensive things to do that. But then you get to... Um, can you, sorry, Benedict, can you yeah. put that in like the bucket of just like marketing? It's good branding, good marketing yeah, yeah, for yeah. them as a brand? So you, can see, you can see it as marketing and branding and retention. So, yep. it, okay. and you know, it's like, if I can, if I buy an Android, I'll lose this stuff. And, you know, I get Apple TV as part of my iCloud subscription, which also gives me Apple News and Apple Fitness. So it's all kind of ways of making it's it harder. Feel good. To it's, it's A, feel, feel good, and B, it makes it harder for you to churn away from Apple and, and move to Android. And so it's not the core, it's not the core skill, which is, would be like designing chips, but it's sort of adjacent mm. to supporting the business. And I think you could see the same thing with Amazon doing groceries, which is, you know, the core Amazon business 
is um, packetized warehouse logistics. So they don't know what, and we've talked about this in different things, like they don't know what, what anything is in the warehouse in a sort of fundamental sense. The whole model is that the makeup and the shoes and the books and the toys and the cutlery has to be treated exactly the same. They get pulled off from, from the same robots by the same people, put in the same boxes, put on the same conveyor belt, put in the same cardboard boxes. Everything has to be treated interchangeably and it has to, if it's working, it's like a packet switch network. You know, the whole point of a packet switch network is you don't know what's in the packets. That's what makes it so efficient. And the whole point of the Amazon, the Amazon logistics system is they don't know what they sell. At any kind of fun, they don't, the logistics chain has to not care what's in the packets. And of course, grocery doesn't fit that because it has to be kept cold or it gets bruised or it goes off. And so you need a whole different logistics chain to do grocery. But grocery is whatever it is, a quarter of US retail. And it, from the consumer's point of view, it's kind of, it's not exactly the same as everything else you buy on Amazon, but it's in that world of, I just go to Amazon and buy stuff. And so it makes sense for, it's so big that it makes sense for Amazon to build, or at least think about building a whole other logistics chain. And so you buy Whole Foods as your kind of crowbar into getting some critical mass and understanding that and getting your retail base and, and so on. Well, it's kind of interesting. There's not really any Amazon co-branding at Whole Foods, although there is prime branding. Um, so that's again, in your kind of, you know, you're kind of expanding, it's more expensive, but it's still kind of within what you do. And then, but then for Apple to have a bank, which they haven't done yet. What's the jump? Yeah. You know, if you'd asked me that five years ago, I'd have just, I'd have just sort of started laughing. Now I don't think I would laugh, because then it, it's, it is sort of define a bank. Does it have to take? But is that, we're not saying they're going to have branches or ATMs or take or give you mortgages. Yeah, that's a very archaic, very traditional, yeah, way of looking at it. Yeah, or or or, or do or even do a checkbook. Um, I mean, you have the Apple card. Yes, actually, there is. You can get the whatever it is, a 60-digit card number if you need it. And occasionally you need that. Would an Apple bank let you do it, give you a PDF of a check if you occasionally need it? Maybe. Um, would they create an iPhone-only experience that was vastly better than anything you get from a U.S. legacy bank? I don't have a problem imagining that. Would they go right the way through all the nonsense that American banks do of charging you 50 bucks to do this and, you know, not giving you more than a month, you know, not giving you more than a month of statements unless you write to them and, um, you know, charging you for this and charging you for that and giving you a terrible app? Would they roll it all into Apple Pay? Would they capture the margin around owning those kind of those rails? Would they give you a very simple experience rolled into the wallet app? Yes, probably. That would also, of course, attract a whole bunch of antitrust attention um, because it would be kind of unfair, leveraging an unfair reach market. Can I imagine Apple letting you hold a deposit, make payments, receive payments, um, have a debit card as well as a credit card? What would the model behind that be? Would it be their balance sheet? Would it be a fintech? Would it be partnership with somebody? I think there's a 500 page McKinsey slash Bain slash BCG study on that. And, you know, somebody has been paid $20 million to have this conversation with them and work out what that would look like. Um, but, but my point is it doesn't, it's no longer absurd to think that they might do think about doing, well, of course they've thought about doing that. It's no longer absurd to think that the, cause it's a job. The idea is no longer absurd to think the answer might be yes. Um, and the and the same thing and the same thing for, and the same thing for healthcare. And that's where I was going with this, which I I liked your idea of how would we define a bank and what are the similarities? Because where my mind goes to is yeah. 
both healthcare and finance are obviously highly regulated spaces, but they're both spaces that are very human centric and about human relationships. And these are two things that Amazon and Apple do incredibly well, which is a customer acquisition and customer care. So it's interesting when you say, how do you define a bank? And bank was always, but still is today, like a very personal relationship. Mm. And it is yeah. about like the customer care and the support that you actually get. So it's really interesting of rethinking, like, how would you define these sectors today? And how have these well, well, on the bank point, so is, is TransferWise a bank? Yeah. Is Stripe a bank? Is PayPal a bank? Is Square a bank? And like you can draw a matrix and check in some boxes of which bits do they do. And, you know, the pedantic, you know, financial regulator would say, no, it's not a bank because of X and Y. But like, yeah, I'm not sure it's as quite as clear cut as that. But it's cl- inching closer and closer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like saying it's Skype or Telco, and there's a there's a one narrow definition that says no, of course not, but there's another definition that says yes, of course it is. Um, and I think so. So so healthcare. So well, there's the bank thing, and you can think about definitions. Obviously, for for healthcare. So we could just say we didn't say at the beginning. So Amazon has bought this thing called One Medical, which is basically a chain of doctor surgeries, what Americans call primary care providers, um, and they bought it for a couple of billion dollars. And, you know, as a British person, you know, you're registered with your local general practitioner and you have an issue, you go there and they then refer you on somewhere. And that's kind of how One Medical works. You, that's your first touch, touch point for a doctor. And it tries to have a good consumer experience. Um, now, that's not an adjacency that Amazon can bundle in with something, even in the way Apple can bundle a bank in with a smartphone. I mean, yes, you've got people saying, oh, well, it's all about the user data and they'll bundle it with Prime. Like, maybe. There's also a whole bunch of challenges around, well, which the, you know, the, yes, define bank, define healthcare, but like there's the primary care provider, but then there's the consultant, the specialist, the hospital, the emergency room, which are all kind of separate commercial entities. And then of course there's the insurer. And then there's this weird thing Americans created called, um, PBM. Was it PBM, the pharmaceutical, the kind of, there's this, Entity that basically sits between the insurers and the pharmaceutical companies and aggregates orders and bargains. And this is like a, you know, multiple, multiple billion dollar industry that purely exists to take a skim off the industry by, by claiming that they're negotiating discounts and managing purchasing. And yes, PBM, pharmacy benefit PBM. management. Yeah, exactly. So part of the reason that US healthcare is so kind of screwed up is you've got all these sort of structural issues and incentives very deeply baked in. And it's kind of hard to just turn up and say, well, I'm on your healthcare through a provider. Because like, yes, but you don't have a hospital in my, unless you like, you're going to build a hospital in every city. It's not like a, it's not like what, what Apple can do is they can say, well, right, well, now there's this new tab in the wallet app. So as you see, we're Apple doing a bank. Well, what do they actually have to build? They've got to give you a tab in your bank in the wallet app on your phone. It's got to have an account number that you can receive money to, and it's got to be able to make payments out, and it's got to do Apple Pay. And then there's a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, like they've got to keep your money somewhere, and it's got to be safe. And there's a whole bunch of regulatory conversations. But it's not actually they don't. It's not like they have to build a branch in Sacramento. It's not like if you want to use Apple Bank, they've got to build a branch in a physical store, entity. physical retail space in your town. Whereas to do health, to, and so they can basically own the whole thing. They can own your whole consumer banking experience. Whereas Amazon, obviously, no one, no one can actually do that with healthcare because unless you're going to build a hospital in every country, in every city, and a doctor and a chain of ambulances and or like 
or provide the insurance. And it's the same way if you come at it from the insurance side, well, you can give everybody insurance, but you're still not going to have a hospital. And the hospital might say, well, we don't take that, don't take that insurance. That's a common, common issue in the US. That's a common issue in America. Yep. Yeah. So they, so Amazon can say, we're going to be your insurer, but this hospital might not take that insurance. So then what happens? Um, so there's not like, it's not like, you know, with, with banking, you can just come and be the bank. And from the consumer point of view, it's relatively straightforward as a consumer experience for that to be your whole banking experience. Whereas from healthcare, it can't be because there's all these different things. Like you, as a consumer, you've got different unrelated touch points because you've got insurance, you've got primary care, you've got the hospital, maybe you've got specialists, you've got an ambulance. Of course, if you are an employee, then you don't get to choose your insurer. Um, your insurer comes through your company. And so your company's deciding who your insurance is. And so where does that, what's Amazon's role in that? Like Amazon can set up a PCP provider. One medical can take my insurance. Okay, fine. But like my insurance is still coming from my company. So there's a lot of like, it's a lot harder to come and give somebody the unified healthcare solution. I also feel like over the years, banking has become more, less of a, um, physical moment in time and it's moved much more into the digital space and obviously this is what I've noticed with One Medical is that they absolutely have leveraged the digital and virtual interactions between a healthcare provider mm. and as you but that's just brand new we're like one or two years into that with One Medical whereas I feel like we've most of us have been doing I say most of us this is not true but a lot of people have been doing online banking for now for you know half a decade and so that's what's interesting to your point about like the physical like the mm. physical aspect in banking feels like a, a detail whereas a Whereas in the medical space, it's absolutely not a detail. Most mm. of the, med you know, I had this even with my husband. We rang up someone via One Medical. We showed the wound, what had happened. And she's like, that's great. Now go to a hospital. Like that was a five minute interaction of just like, yep, that cut looks deep enough and bloody enough. Like now run, uh, which is interesting because <laughs> like that was great. But that was a five minute digital interaction that obviously then yeah. leads straight to a physical space that you still need. Well, so there's two strands to this. So one of them is like it's, you know, hypothesis, it is easier to create a new consumer bank and, and that is all encompassing and solve many of the problems than to do that with US healthcare because mm. you need the whole system in a way that you kind of don't with banking. Um, the other piece is, of course, um, you can see how having a, my Apple providing my payment on my phone is again an extension of what they know how to do, even if they'd be outsourcing most of the back end. Where, and they've got, whereas like the healthcare, that's got nothing to do with anything they know how to do. I mean, I, I mean, and I, I was kind of talking about this on Twitter. I basically said I don't get the strategic logic here, which is kind of a flying a kite to suggest, well, what is the strategic logic here? And you've got a bunch of people saying, well, they're really good at logistics. Like, well, as I was sort of saying earlier, they're really good at having a running a fulfillment center that has mm. 200 million SKUs and putting them in boxes and getting them to you at a cost. That's got nothing to do with running a healthcare system. It's not about putting medicine in boxes and shipping it to you. That's Even the medicine part isn't about, isn't about the putting it in the boxes part. It's the what are you paying? And why does insulin cost a thousand dollars in America and fifty bucks everywhere else on Earth? Well, that's not a parcel. That's not a shipping problem. That's a what are the contracts kind of a question. You could certainly do what Mark, what Mark Cuban is doing in basically saying, "I'm going to start a, a proper systematic business." I can't remember what it's called, but Mark Cuban has started this business because he's basically giving people cheap medicine, which is giving people bypassing all of the nonsense of the U.S. pricing system and just saying, "Look, if, if this stuff costs you 50, this costs fifty bucks, so we're going to sell it to you for fifty bucks." Would Amazon? I could Amazon. I could almost make it, it. It's easier for me to see Amazon doing that and say we are going to break through the the cost of the medicine part than the insurance part. I mean, 
I'm conscious talking about this, like despite having lived in the USA for you know five or six years, like I don't even know all the complexities of this. I just know it's complicated. I suppose what I'm getting at is like on the one hand, there's so many different moving parts that it's harder for any company to just turn up and say we're very good at user experience and we've got lots of money, we can solve this. And it's a lot easier to do that in banking than to do it in healthcare. Um, the other side of it is it's a lot further away from anything that Amazon knows how to do or Apple or Google or anyone else. Um, suddenly you're employing a whole bunch of doctors. You know, running a credit card doesn't mean you employ a whole bunch of bankers in the same way. Suddenly you're like you're responsible for people not dying and you're running a whole bunch of doctors and you've got to think about um, what are they going to do? Are they going to roll out one medical across the country? And that if they did, I mean, maybe they could and maybe they could work and making maybe that would be great. But that would like be a whole other thing from what Amazon is in a way that, you know, now Amazon Apple is my bank is not actually a whole other thing from what Apple is in quite the same way. You know, Apple has my pictures and my email, you know, it has my identity, it has my location, it has my friends in a, in a kind of a generalized sort of sense. And it looks after my money. That's not quite the same as like, we're gonna run a network of medical clinics. That's a whole other kind of question. It's not adding a little bit, it's a lot more work to get this right. What's been interesting having lived now in America for four years is just, again, as a European, it is a weird, it, it took me living here to understand just how much people do not like interacting in the medical space and they do not have, and many of them don't have primary care. Like healthcare in America is just not accessible. It's not affordable. It's not customer forward. It's not a great experience, which is why when One Medical mm. came around and made it much more accessible, much more affordable, much more customer centric, it was a huge hit. Um, but it is fascinating thinking about just, again, the amount of companies who've tried to make healthcare better and have absolutely failed. Um, because well, they failed because, yeah, I mean, they failed because, and this is the point, it's not about turning up, you know, it's not about turning up with capital and building a better, building a better mousetrap. You know, you can do this, in a, in the, how can I put this? It's the difference between turning up and saying, we're going to build a better car and turning up and saying, we're going to fix um, the lack of a unified transit system across New York State. Okay, now we need to talk about bike lanes and light rail and subways and planning systems and what it costs to build bridges and why is it that America spends so much more money per more money per mile to build subway than anywhere else on earth does. Like that's not you don't just fix that with a better car. That's it. And to that point, One Medical has changed and has made a small portion of this piece better, but that's like 1% out of the 99% that's left in that medical space. Yeah. So, you know, there's a straw man here, perhaps, which is they can fix the whole of US medicine, which of course they can't. You know, just narrowing in on, okay, so you take One Medical, you inject inject $10 billion, you roll it out nationally, you've got, you know, thousands of stores, thousands of outlets. This is this great new experience. You kind of transform what it is to get your primary care and nothing else. That's and it. it's a good experience. That's fine. That's a plausible scenario. Again, I'm kind of conscious, like I don't know enough about healthcare to understand maybe there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's wrong and someone listening to this is shouting at me. Um, but there's this other conversation, which is, yes, why Amazon? Yeah, why are they the best player? What is Amazon bringing into this other than money and brand and customer relationship? And I think that's the sort of interesting thing, which is Amazon stepping so far out of what they do in a way that even an Apple bank would not really be stepping that far out of what they do. You know, I mean, if so, I mean, picking something like out of thin air, it's like Amazon, it's like Apple saying we're going to do an airline. And like, yeah, the booking system might be better, 
But that's not really what it is to run an airline. Again, that's like 1% and, of the business or 10%. Or, yeah. yeah. And so I think the fascinating, and, and again, you know, back to my point, like delivering groceries is very different from running the warehousing, but at least it's delivery of stuff and it's logistics. And from the consumer's point of view, it's the same thing. You know, if we set forward five years, Amazon's got a thousand branches of one medical across the country. That's a whole other pillar to that business. Like that's as substantial. I mean, again, talking about this on Twitter, I had a bunch of people saying, well, look at AWS. That's completely different. And it's like, I get why you'd say that, but at least what they were doing there was taking the stuff they already had and massively scaling it and selling it to other people. Like at least they thought running data centers was something that they needed to know how to do anyway. And they knew already. Yeah, exactly. That they were using themselves. More so than buying TV. Yeah, TV is $10 billion a year. That's uh, not Amazon, except it's there to support Prime. And so just sort of back to my, my earlier point, you've got like, well, now, now we can afford to make our own chips. Yeah, that's absolutely cool. Then there's like, let's spend $10 billion a year buying TV shows. Yeah, that's kind of supporting your core business. But we've stepped quite a long way away from our core business now. And maybe let's start a bank. That's maybe a bit further away. But yeah, it's still like part of the core business and experience and the assets doing healthcare and and equally you know in the same sort of sense google alphabet doing cars doing self-driving cars it's got nothing to it's got nothing to do with search or indeed organizing all the world's information but it is like we are a software company and we understand how to do cutting edge software and scale and data and so it is a sort of let's leverage the kind of base primitive skills that we have here the building blocks that we have that's another example of something that's a long way away from the core business you know they call amazon call google calls this other bets um Let's open a chain of health class stores. Let's go. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. This is interesting. This is like a big step out from what we were used to. And it, it kind of reminds me almost of like the Kaibol model in South Korea, which is, and we haven't kind of talked about antitrust yet, but you know, the Kaibol model in South Korea is like, you look at what Samsung, here we kind of think of Samsung as basically chips and consumer electronics and, and appliances. So they make a fridge, they make a TV, they make a phone, and they make the chips. And you may, if you're in tech, you know they make the chips inside the iPhone or some of the chips in an iPhone. If you live in South Korea, they also make, they make container ships and they make construction equipment and they build apartment buildings and they have a bank and, um, you know, it's all, you know, you could theoretically like, you know, they make everything. They're a massive conglomerate. And so you could almost look at this as a, this is a bit more of kind of a conglomerate kind of model. Um, you know, when does Amazon start building apartment buildings? Well, now I was going to say the other the other thing that I was sort of touching on here is um, obviously we're kind of in this new wave of attitude of thinking about about competition law, antitrust, as the American phrase is. Um, and you know, there's no conventional competition theory that's that covers a retailer doing mm. healthcare. Because the sort of basis of competition theory is market definition. You know, what market do you operate in? What's your market share in that market? And then all the argument is about the market definition. So, you know, Apple will say that we compete, you know, what's a good example? Coca-Cola would say we compete with water. And the competition agency would say, no, you compete with soda water that comes in red colored cans. Let's narrow that down. <laughs> and the truth is sort of somewhere. Yeah, the truth is sort of somewhere in between. And so, you know, famously, the EU said that Microsoft had a monopoly on commercial PC operating systems and have now said Apple has a monopoly on iOS, which it sounds like a joke, but like that's, that's how you define a market. Like they, so, um, and iOS is a market now. So, but what's your market definition that covers Google doing search engines and cars? And I can see a market definition that covers search engines and YouTube. I don't know what definition would get you cars on that. 
I don't get you what a market definition would be of Amazon. You know, there's there's clearly there's Amazon retail and there's AWS, which is clearly a separate market definition. And then there's um then there's medical. And so there's an interesting sort of theoretical conversation here because of course in the medical industry, what Amazon would be doing would be pro-consumer, pro-competition. They would be massively inserting this new radical disruptive theory for how you could provide medical care. It would be unquestionably increasing competition. It would also be increasing the market power of Amazon. Yes. So which of those do you think about more and how do you weight that? Um, I mean, this is a classic thing originally is, is um, um, the, the antitrust case against the, the case against Apple when Apple did Apple Books, which was a completely perverse case because what the American government argued was that um, you know Apple put Apple's entry into the books market was anti-competitive because basically what Apple did what, what the the government's argument which Apple and the publishers all actually still deny was that Apple had put together a cartel of the book publishers to fix book pricing so that all the books would be would be priced the same so that Amazon wouldn't be able to discount them and sell them below cost in order to drive market share and so what Apple and the book publishers basically said is look. The anti-competitive driver here is Amazon, which is selling books below cost to drive people out of business, e-books below cost to sell people, to drive people out of business. And what we're doing is we want to have, say, there's one standard price here that people can compete on selection and product and everyone else, and so that we can create more competition. And the DOJ said, no, 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 you, we think you fixed price, therefore that's anti-competitive, and so we're going to push you out of the market. So Apple's project to create more competition in books was anti-competitive. And so you can get these kind of weird, it depends like which angle do you look at it from. And the same thing, you know, you can certainly, I can already kind of see as people saying Amazon getting into healthcare is this horrible monopoly expanding. If you look at it from healthcare, it's clearly not that. It's clearly Amazon increasing competition. So how do you think about that? How do you think about what happens when these multi-trillion dollar companies change their focus and, and look into other industries? Same, same thing with Apple doing a bank. You know, they'd have 1% market share. They're creating more competition. How can you possibly say they've got dominant market power, market share? Not dominant market position in the bank business. Well, yes, but they've got 70, 80% of American teenagers. And for Apple to leverage its install base of 80% of American teenagers into retail banking services for American teenagers, is that pro-competitive or anti-competitive? Well, it depends. It depends. Do you think America and Europe are going to look at this fundamentally differently? And when you say, like, is it competitive? Like, are they going to, how are they going to tackle this? So... And I realize I'm asking you a question that you probably don't have an answer to, but I, I'm curious about how you think, how we think about this. Well, so there's, there's, so there is this whole conversation in American antitrust now, which is basically that for the last n number of decades, American antitrust theory got more and more narrowly focused on um, a test of, of low consumer prices. And the big pushback against this, and Lena Khan, who's the new FT head of the FTC, wrote this piece about Amazon saying, it's cheap, and yet that's bad for competition. And what do we think about that? And there's a whole bunch of problems with what she wrote. Basically, she claimed Amazon was losing money, which wasn't true. Um, or she claimed Amazon was selling below cost, which wasn't true. Um, but there's a sort of a core point is the, the EU approach and the UK approach to this has always been much, been much more um, to look at multiple inputs and say low prices for consumers is a, an objective, but so is choice. And so is having different possibilities and having a choice of half a dozen options, even if you no longer have the, the cheapest possible, as, as opposed to one that's cheapest. Main maybe you know, is a choice is a kind of is a different objective that you might you might want to pursue. Um, I think unquestionably the eu will look at apple using its position on the phone to promote services that's 
black and white in the DMA. And so, like, you have to be able to put your banking app into Apple. Certainly, they will have to open up NFC. They will have to open up Apple Pay. So you'll have to be able to basically substitute Apple Pay with Stripe Pay or Square Pay. Um, the EU, that's very clear in the DMA that's just kind of good, that's going through its final processes now. So you double tap on the side and you get the Face ID. And that would ha- you would have to be able to switch that to Square or PayPal instead of the Apple Pay UI. Preloading a banking sign-up process on the device. Again, this is an interesting conversation. This is unfair competition. Is it unfair to preload your service on that kind when it's clearly not essential in the way that a web browser is essential? What do you think about self-preferencing? What happens? Are you doing stuff on the device that other people aren't allowed to do? Um, and what is that? What and how exactly are you doing that? And I think that's kind of the test that I think a lot of people are moving towards, which is it's a lot harder to say you can't do that than to say, and it's a lot easier to say, if you do that, you can't do it in a way that other people, that you don't permit other people to do, which gets you to the, um, you have to unlock the Apple Pay API, you have to unlock the NFC API. Um, and a lot of Americans look at this and have a sort of philosophical problem because they say, no, it's not, Apple hasn't put an NFC API in the phone that they allow, that they're not letting other people use. That's the wrong way of looking at it. As it is Apple put Apple Pay in the phone and added NFC to support that. And why should they have? But but for the EU's point of view, it's like, no, you put this chip in the phone and you don't let other people use it. You only let your own service use it. And I'm afraid that's where the DMA has come down. So, I mean, all of this is, you know, we're speculating about speculating about speculating. I don't know if Apple, Apple's actually, I'm sure Apple has a big press study on should they do a bank. I don't have no idea if they've decided to do it. But there is this sort of sense of, as I was sort of saying at the beginning, how wide should you open the envelope on what you think they might do? And it's almost a how big is the opportunity point, which is sort of my point about grocery. The grocery is adjacent but different, but it's big enough. They'd have to change the model to do grocery, but it's adjacent and it's big enough to be worth it. Would Apple do a bank? Yes, it's a big enough and adjacent and they could fix enough things that they might want to do that. And I like the point about Apple and the bank and the point of opportunity, because when I think of it, the only reason I went with a certain bank in Belgium and in the UK, these were both banks that my parents used. And I didn't think too much about it. But when we go back to thinking about branding and awareness and marketing, it gets very smart if you have a bank preloaded on your phone, a phone that most young people are using and they don't think about, you know, it would be interesting to see the future of how kids decide which bank to go to. You know, do, do, do your parents' historical banks then play a role or is it? a great marketing play to tap into these new young audiences because there's no you don't have an emotional attachment to your bank you know you no just... but people never switch most people most people never switch either never switch that's it you don't switch so how do you it, get in it, early it's fine because it's kind of i mean it was always the thing that it was determined by which what the physical branches were and it's basically a commodity service so unless something goes horribly wrong like, what's the difference? Like, the bank is the bank, the bank, the bank branch is more convenient, or they refuse to give you a mortgage. But if they refuse to give you a mortgage, then come on, no one else is going to. You know, it's quite likely that the reason they didn't give you a mortgage is going to apply to everybody else as well. Um, and so then, um, then you get this shift as the smartphone becomes the route to market. I mean, there was this great study a couple of years ago by the blog called Built from Mars. We analyzed how many clicks does it take to start a new online account on all the different UK services. And then you went through all of the, you know, the three or four insurgent banks in the UK. Um, 
which is another conversation that US regulation makes it much harder to do a new bank than the UK does, um, as opposed to the existing banks in the UK. And you know, it was 55 or 10 clicks for the new ones and anything up to 50 or 60 taps for some of the legacy banks. And that is some combination of culture, expectation and legacy tech stack. But it suddenly it shifts your whole journey because something that was previously a commodity now becomes the whole center of the experience. You know, something that was previously, you know, when all said and done, what's actually happening here is that you had a UI that was built for your employees because you would open a bank account and a process and a set of systems built for your employees. And suddenly you're exposing that to your users, to your customers. And so what was an internal B2B system is suddenly got a user-facing front. And of course, like that creates, you know, that may not be lined up at all to do that in the way that you want it to. I like this. This is so interesting. I like this way of looking at like how, whether it's Alphabet getting into cars, whether it's Amazon getting into healthcare or Apple getting into banks of just like this point of leverage is changing. And let's think about how mm. far, how far out of their comfort zone they are going and what that actually means and why you would do it. Yeah, and how how the relative scale of those opportunities relative to how big those companies are, which I think is kind of interesting. That you know, and it's the thing I, I often talk about is that tech tech industry used to be really small. I mean, when Bill Gates was on every magazine cover, Microsoft was a small company that sold accounting tools to big companies. Microsoft was not in the Fortune 100 until I think 2002 or 2003. I'm sure someone on Twitter will disagree with you and say that Amazon or Microsoft was always huge as a company. <laughs> oh yeah, this is my this week's this week's Twitter argument is all the people saying you know I was on a bulletin board in. 1985 what do you mean most people weren't online i was online all my friends were online like yeah okay. everyone was online yeah. but sorry you were saying that the 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 tech the tech space or the tech industry was actually relatively small and now obviously that's not yeah the tech industry was small and these other industries were often much bigger and you know people laughed at amazon you know, everyone in the retail industry laughed at amazon because they thought it was losing money and now the tech industry, you know, the last sort of 10 years or so, they, the companies that want tech are much bigger because tech is so much bigger, the opportunity is so much bigger. And so they, the way that they think about focus and the, the way that they think about what they would and wouldn't do, I think is kind of inter interesting to revisit. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you so much. Great.